Hello and welcome to the VJ Hemonk podcast series. Since rituximab was approved for use in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma in the mid-2000s, immunotherapy has been a strong area of focus for lymphoma and other cancer types. And now immunotherapy has the potential to one day become the standard of care for a multitude of different cancers. Here, Dr. Graham Collins discusses the latest immunotherapeutic agents for lymphoma, including ADCC activating molecules and antibody drug conjugates. I'm very much looking forward to hearing the discussion on CAR T-cells in relapsed refractory lymphomas. CAR T-cell is a very exciting area, very novel technology, very innovative, innovative technology, uh, using genetically engineered T-cells to uh, attack cancer cells. Um, in some conditions, like ALL, they seem to be very, very active indeed. Diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, though, which really does represent our main area of unmet need, particularly when it's relapsed. Um, the, the data, I think, is less clear. So there are high response rates, but perhaps the complete response rates seem to be less good, around the 30 to 40% mark. And it really seems to be those complete remissions that are durable. Um, there are also toxicities associated with particularly the anti-CD19 CAR T cells such as neurotoxicity and also cytokine uh, release syndrome. So I, I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion weighing up the pros and cons of CAR T cells with, for example, these very active uh, new ADCCs that are around which are probably easier to deliver to patients. Um, the other factor in CAR T cells, which we haven't really seen yet in the UK, but they are starting to see in the US, is the cost. You know, they are looking like they're extremely expensive, not surprisingly, due to the amount of development that they're going to take to get them into the clinic. So, yeah, I think the CAR T cell debate will be a good one. Dr. Collins also discussed the most exciting upcoming trial results for novel lymphoma drugs, including the Echelon 1 trial. He also evaluates CAR T-cell therapies and the lymphoma subtypes where these treatments have the most potential for effective patient outcomes and access. So I think 2017 ASH is going to be a very interesting uh, congress. Probably the main um, large trial result that I'm looking forward to is Echelon 1, which is in Hodgkin lymphoma, comparing ABVD with AVD plus brentuximab vodotin. That's in the previously untreated advanced stage classical Hodgkin lymphoma. Um, the headline result is tantalising, is in that there is a, a statistically significant progression-free, or I should say modified progression-free survival advantage, because they use this slightly unusual primary endpoint of modified progression-free survival. It was only around 5% the benefit at two years, so that I think there's going to be a lot of discussion about possible subgroups that may or may not show enhanced activity uh, with that combination. And uh, it'll be a very interesting discussion. Uh, you know, it will be an expensive combination, so whether a 5% two-year modified PFS advantage will be deemed cost-effective, particularly when there is a toxicity signal of neuropathy and neutropenia and infection uh, with AVD plus brentuximab, I think is going to be up for debate. But it'll be very interesting to see that data presented uh, in detail. And also, uh, you know, there is some very interesting data being presented of new agents um, ASH is full of new agents now. It's a very exciting time to be in the lymphoma field. And I've said before, but it's really the antibody drug conjugates I'm interested in. There's one fascinating uh, antibody drug conjugate uh, called ADCT301, which targets CD25. Now, CD25 is expressed on a lot of 
hematopoietic malignancies such as B-cell lymphomas, Hodgkin lymphoma, T-cell lymphoma, uh, but it's also on regulatory T-cells. So you would expect it to deplete your numbers of regulatory T-cells, which may have beneficial consequences, so it may then allow the immune system to attack the lymphoma, a bit like other immuno-oncology agents. But of course it may lead to toxicity. If you don't have T-regulatory cells, you may develop autoimmune toxicities. And uh, you know, the data that's already in, in abstract form suggests both of those things. Yes, high activity, particularly in Hodgkin lymphoma that's relapsed after brentuximab and a PD-1 inhibitor, but also a significant signal of toxicity in the form of polyradiculopathy and Guillain-Barre syndrome. So uh, it's going to be fascinating, I think, to see these new molecules uh, presented. I'm contributing to the session that is talking on the changing paradigm of lymphoma treatment. Um, and I'm particularly focusing on uh, introducing new molecules into lymphoma therapy, particularly immunotherapy uh, is what I'll be focusing on in, in my discussion. And, uh, you know, non-Hodgkin lymphoma really has quite a glorious past of immunotherapy because rituximab really was one of the first immunotherapy drugs brought into standard practice. Um, it's been approved for over 15 years now. And really it goes from strength to strength in many ways in the B-cell non-Hodgkin lymphoma world. Uh, the very first trial that established rituximab uh, in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma frontline treatment com combining with CHOP uh, was done by the French GILA group uh, many years ago now and the long-term follow-up data with median follow-up now of over 10 years has confirmed a impressive and persistent overall survival advantage. So really with a lot of confidence we can say that introducing rituximab has saved many lives uh, from lymphoma. Uh, over the last 15 years or so. So that's been a tremendous success for immunotherapy. At least I would call rituximab immunotherapy. Some people wouldn't because it directly targets the cancer cell rather than directly targeting the immune system. But one of its mechanisms of action is to uh, introduce ADCC, antidependent complement, uh, anti antibody-dependent cellular cytotoxicity uh, to the cancer cell. So that's been a tremendous success. And actually anti-CD20 therapy is, is developing um, really at a, a very impressive rate. So there's a new anti-CD20 antibody now, abinutuzumab, that's approved for CLL in combination with chlorambucil for the less fit patients. That's now standard of care. Uh, that it's, that's also been combined with chemotherapy and frontline follicular lymphoma and has shown a progression-free survival advantage, although no overall survival advantage. Um, although it's not all a success story for abinutuzumab in that combining it with CHOP uh, and comparing it with our CHOP in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma up front has shown no difference at all. So in some contexts, it does appear to be a, a more effective approach, albeit with slightly excess toxicities. Um, but in other contexts, it hasn't shown to be superior. There are other molecules, other antibodies targeting other B-cell antigens. And in, and in my talk, I'll be talking about CD32B, uh, which many people have never heard of. I hadn't heard of it until quite recently. Uh, and that's an FC gamma receptor which is found on B cells and it's thought to be, there's some very nice science actually suggesting it's involved in rituximab resistance. So the idea is that if we combine an antibody against CD32B, which may have a fixie in its own right, with rituximab, we may see synergistic activity and there's a phase one trial currently happening in the UK to test that approach. So I think that's quite exciting. And another very exciting development actually in this field are the antibody drug conjugates. So we've had uh, brentuximab vedotin, which is an anti-CD30 antibody drug conjugate for some time now in Hodgkin lymphoma and relapsed anaplastic large cell lymphoma. It's very much standard of care now for relapsed Hodgkin and ALCL. 
Um, and that's shown to be quite effective, but there have been recent developments in the technology of antibody drug conjugates. So we now have polituzumab, uh, vedotin, which is an anti-79B uh, antibody drug conjugate. Um, and there's some data actually being presented at ASH, which is now being published in abstract form, um, showing that uh, bendamustine rituximab versus bendamustine rituximab polituzumab in relapsed refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, so very difficult situation to treat, is showing a, a fairly impressive overall survival advantage. So these drugs, these antibody drug conjugates are, are very impressive. And uh, another development in ADCC technology I'll be talking briefly about um, is using a new toxin, uh, which is uh, a lot more potent than, for example, MMAE, which is the toxin that's been used in brentuximab and polituzumab. Um, plus, there's some more um, clever technology which allows specific conjugation uh, sites to be linked with the ADCC, allowing a much more precise number of drugs per antibody, and that improves the, the efficiency of these drugs. And there's a drug, for example, called ADCT402, which again is being presented at ASH and the data's out now in abstract form, showing that even as a single agent in relapsed refractory diffuse large B, they're seeing some very nice responses, over 50%, many of which are quite durable. Um, so really the immunotherapy world in terms of antibody and ADCC is very active. Perhaps the more traditional immunotherapy drugs like PD-1 inhibitors, CTLA-4 inhibitors, they have now an established role in Hodgkin lymphomas, showing very active and quite durable uh, remissions uh, when used as single agents. Much more difficult to find a niche in non-Hodgkin lymphoma though. There was a big study looking at nivolumab in relapsed refractory diffuse large B and it showed a, a rather disappointing response rate of less than 10% in that group. So I think really if that is to find a role in, in what is our area, main area of unmet need, relapsed refractory diffuse large B, it's going to have to be with intelligent combinations, perhaps HDAC inhibitors, perhaps demethylating agents, which may serve to increase MHC expression or possibly increase uh, oncoantigen expression by the tumour cells. Um, but there are some very specific subtypes of non-Hodgkin lymphoma which do show activity with these drugs, such as primary mediastinal B-cell lymphoma. Surprisingly, perhaps primary CNS lymphoma appears to be very responsive to PD-1 inhibitors, even though they're given systemically, uh, and primary testicular lymphoma also. So I think we will find some niche areas where PD-1 inhibitors are active in non-Hodgkin lymphoma, as well as, as I say, re really revolutionising the field of Hodgkin lymphoma. To keep up to date with the very latest Hemonc news, please subscribe to our video alerts and podcasts at vjhemonc.com and find us on Twitter and get involved with the conversation on our page at vjhemonc.